Did it rain last night? Not a drop. <laughs> Son of a bitch. All right, boys. The warden is trying to break our spirit. He thinks we're gonna skip practice today, wait for the field to dry, make it up tomorrow. You know what, who gives a Three days till game time, we can handle it. But let me say this. That old man flooding this field tells me something. The guy is scared. Scared of you, sick, degenerate convicts. <laughs> and you know what? He should be. Because I got news for you guys. We're going to win this thing. Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. Jam-packed show. Sometimes we say that, and it's not necessarily true, but fully true on this show. Justin, we got Zach Rosenblatt. We talked to him for about 30 minutes um, of NJ.com. The Giants have uh, added two players who will be on the roster, most likely. Dave Gelman, John Mayer spoke. We'll start off with it. Most importantly, uh, Joe Judge was, you know, diving in the mud. But Justin, you know who this episode was brought to us by? Who? Randy Jackson. That's real. That's <laughs> it's, it's, you would think Randy Jackson from American Idol, but Randy Jackson, uh, he he brought us this show. Justin, how did Randy Jackson bring us this show? It's going to be a no from me, dog. Um, maybe it actually is the real Randy Jackson. That is true. Maybe he is a Giants fan. I mean, we have the best Giants podcast, so maybe he is a uh, he is in here. It's going to be a yes from me, dog, then. Has he ever said that? He should. I'm sure he has made that easy joke. Well, the way that you could become a sponsor of a certain episode or even just be a, a sponsor like full-time, every day, all the time, of Talking Giants is, is if you go to patreon.com backslash Talking Giants for $2 a month, you can help support us, but also you can get some fun perks like twice a month, not once. Twice a month, we're doing free giveaways for shirts. You get some early access to blogs, YouTube videos, et cetera, et cetera. And you get to see us record the podcast live while we give our takes, Bobby Skinner. And you get to remind me to read the ad later in the show. Thank you, Danny Behan. All right, Justin, we, we got some we got a good amount to get to, but let's start let's start with a little fun. Uh, the Joe Judge mud drill. It took over NFL Twitter for a day. That was uh, it was nice to see that people like could like ease off. Emmanuel Ocho's having some fun with it. I think most Giants fans re- like. There's a few who are like really mad at him, but he's just having fun with it at that point. That's what uh, national media is. But um, eventually, we are going to get Emmanuel Ocho to take a lap. I I I'm pretty confident that by the end of the season, Emmanuel Ocho will take a lap. Yeah, uh, to get, I guess, kind of serious and maybe take this a little too far, but I just think of how community is formed, right, Bobby, with like a group of men or just a group of people in general. But this was just nice to see, number one, as a fan who has not, and all of us, have not gotten really any kind of behind-the-scenes look to see how the locker room is forming how they're connecting, what are these players like, especially these new players, we really don't know what they're like behind a computer screen. It's really, really tough because that's all really the exposure that we get. But this was just nice to see when, you know, regardless of national media uh, criticism or non-national media criticism, Joe Judge practices have been pretty tough. They've been, been, they've the been really of intense. the NFL besides like transactional news. I think the Giants camp has been like the one that had the most headlines. 
Yeah, and it's and it's tough, and it needs to be tough because of the circumstances that are happening this year. It can't just be so laissez-faire because of so many new things and new pieces. But Bobby, this was just nice to see because I can imagine like that is a piece where players can point to where you know that's where we're, this is a part where we're building community and we're really coming together as a team. You know, I could be taking that a little, I could be stretching that to an extreme point, but hey. No, it, that's how my brain. It's works. good stuff, and the players are buying in. They're running extra laps after practice. The players are buying in, and if you tell me that what it comes like, if we if we don't win games, he's going to lose the team. Well, guess what? If we don't win games, then I think our biggest issue is not winning games. Um, so you know, it's 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 not a hot take to say that if you don't win games, it's not going to work out. So, um, but it, it was fun to do that. Uh, we you know have a, have a little fun with that as as camp comes to an end. Always good to have some fun. The scrimmage. We talked about the scrimmage a little with Rosenblatt. We might talk about it next week when we can actually watch it, but um, not much from there. Let's talk about some real news, though, Justin. Um, and some important important news. Giants traded, traded their 2021 seventh-round pick to the Denver Broncos for cornerback Isaac Yidam. Justin, some quick information. He was a third-round pick in 2018, the 99th overall pick, the same pick that Matthew Parrott was used. Uh, last year, his uh, advanced stats, his coverage stats uh, against him, 38 for 54, 70.4%, 495 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. The year before his rookie season where he played less snaps, 20 for 34, 58.8%, 258 yards, three touchdowns, but one interception. Justin, we'll talk about what this means for the Giants. Basically, this is a depth move, but I'll talk about I went and watched him. I went and watched some rookie stuff. Um, and uh, from this recent year, basically, and I saw R. Stapleton say about it, and I agreed with it 100%. Broncos played a lot of zone. He wasn't great in it. Um, he didn't really have a good feel. They would get beat on double moves. Like he just didn't have a good feel for it. But when they put him in man, and he could like he would like jump up routes. Like he would make plays, have passes defended. Um, so we think Patrick Graham is going to play that style, even though. On Bradbury's side, you think you would hope for a little more zone, but maybe we'll do some kind of hybrid stuff. Uh, so basically, better in man, like like he played in his rookie year more often than in zone, and I think we're going to play a lot of man. So doesn't mean that he's going to live up to his third-round draft pick, but we went into this week saying we needed some cornerback depth. We were hoping for Prince Amukamara, um, a pipe dream of Ross Cockrell still coming in, but a seventh-round pick for much-needed depth, uh, I, I don't think there was very few people who disagreed with this move. Yeah, Art had that little tidbit, and that obviously made you a little bit more excited that, hey, you know, there's a reason why the Giants are picking this guy off the scrap heap, and it's not just because we need a warm, living, breathing body with the pulse in the cornerback room. So, Bobby, I really do think this year, unless we find a way to get Ross Cockrell, which I don't think is going to happen, or unless we can bring in a, pr- a Prince of Mukamara. I really do think 2020 is unfortunately going to be we're going to throw crap at a wall at cornerback two and hope something sticks. And this includes when cuts are going to be made down to the final 53 for the rest of the 31 other teams. I think the Giants are going to be pretty active, um, possibly for some other positions, but definitely corner and definitely in the secondary safety and corner. They may be pretty active in trying to find some other guys from from some other teams. So throwing crap at the wall and hoping something sticks hasn't really worked in the past for the Giants, but maybe uh, maybe it could work this year. Optimism. Yeah, uh, I think Corey Ballantyne will still start. Um, you know, if he struggles, they'll probably you know switch to him. Um, 
Like I said, I think a lot of people are down on Ballantyne, and rightfully so, but I do think he's a good prospect. I think he's being thrown in pretty quickly. Um, but we, but the nice thing is, is he's at his position that we wanted him to be at, which was outside corner, not slot corner, which he yeah. played. I was totally fine with him playing last year and being and put in because we needed something fresh from Grant Haley. Obviously, Grant Haley wasn't the option. But I like that Ballantyne was at his position that he plays. I hope for him to develop as the year goes on. Um, and I like him as a prospect. But expect struggles, Justin. Um, so, yeah. I mean, do you, I mean, you got anything else on Isaac before we uh, move on? I mean, we're not going to spend 20 minutes breaking down this guy. No. No. I, I pretty much say this at the – I feel almost at the end of every PPP. That was his PPP, by the way. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Rooting for him because that is the area, and we talk it all. We talk it all with uh, Zach Rosenblatt too. We talk about how cornerback and cornerback two, but even just cornerback depth all around. That's the area of this team where you are just most, most, most concerned about. So really rooting for you. Better at man likes to jump routes, struggles in zone. That's what you need to know about Isaac Yedem. Now, someone we do know, we don't need to break down. John Halapio. Uh, we talked about it on on the earlier show this week. It's official. He is on the Giants. Pulley is going to be cut, right? I mean, you save two point yes. seven five yes. mil. Uh, well, you probably save around two mil when you factor factor in whatever Halapio's contract is, which is probably the minimum. It's just kind of a no brainer. Halapio, even if you don't think Halapio's uh, better than Pulley, you don't think it's by much. Halapio's played some guard. You let him be the backup center slash slash second guard behind Shane Lemieux. It's cheap. You save that money. It saves some money from the Logan Ryan. It rolls over into 2021. I think I I I'm, I'd be I'd be pretty surprised if Pulley's on the team and Halapio's not, especially when they did it this late into camp. Because we kind of had like we had given up on Halapio because you know Gettleman had like said him by name in the offseason, which like that's weird to yeah. do about a guy that's not on the team. So if, if if they brought him in this late and aren't like putting him on the roster, I'd be pretty surprised. I remember when you yelled at me because I actually put him on my final fifty-three. But he wasn't on you the roster. I know, I know, but I, I, I think we knew that this was going to happen, and then we forgot about. You worked him out for the Texans because it had The happened. Texans could have signed him. Maybe they had some like back backdoor deal. It's like, hey, man, if you can get a job somewhere else, you know, go for it. But if not, uh, come come back home in the Papa. Well, I think. Well, okay, I think. <laughs> I think that's what really got the Giants going and that got the ball rolling. It's that, oh, crap, somebody else may be interested in this dude. So I think that's what kind of incentivized them to go work him out, make sure that he's all right and enough to be a backup. Um, and then he was signed. Now, Bobby, I don't really want to do too much, and we, you can ignore me. You can ignore this question if you want because um, I know we're both going to put out our 53-man Give rosters tomorrow. Give me that option makes me want to ignore it off bat. Okay, well, well, let let me finish, and then you let me know. You think we're going to roll with eight offensive linemen, right? Yeah, I and hope so. That's Lemieux, L- Lemieux, Jalapio, Parrot are the three backups. Yep. That's what I'm hoping for. Right? I went and looked at last week what the Patriots did in 2019, um, and I looked for some things because some things are philosophy things. Like some people are three QB coaches, like Shermer. Some will want to have two deep at every offensive line spot. Patriots ran eight. That's not to say that Joe Judge and Mark Colombo and Garrett aren't uh, a two deep kind of guy. So I think the Cowboys ran too deep. But I'm hoping for eight because, you know, Eric Smith, Chad Slade, those guys can be readily available if you need them throughout the season. And plus, there's Kyle Murphy. Yeah, those guys. 
they paid the most. Those guys yeah. will be on the um, practice squad. Like Kyle Murphy, those guys will be on the practice squad, so you can pull them up at any time. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big – for this – usually I probably would be a two-deep guy, but this season I'm I'm keeping eight guys. I think pulley, cutting pulley, it now it just makes too much sense because I don't think the Giants predicted that they were going to be spending this money post Nate Solder opting yeah. out. You know, obviously they planned for McKinney to be here. Um, they planned for other guys to be healthy and ready to go. They obviously planned for DeAndre Baker to be here, but um, just didn't happen that way, didn't stack up. So I think pulley, it, that's inevitable because they want to recuperate some of those funds that they're now losing since the cap rolls. It's a shame over, we so. wasted uh, an episode on Spencer Pulley. Like that mo- that episode was brutal. We were mean in that episode, and it's a shame we had to do that. Was not looking forward to doing that. Um, well, it's a be- it's a good look on us that we're not mean with with a lot of players, but the fact that we were mean and it's not going to work. I think that's a good reflection on us, though. Yeah, it's a good reflection on how mean we are. All right, <laughs> Gettleman and Mayor spoke. Um, surprisingly. When this stuff, ha- when Gellman speaks, usually, like, we can spend, we'll usually spend 20 to 30 minutes on it. Really nothing. The only thing I found interesting, you know, he had a couple jokes in there here and there, like the fighting Joe judges. Um, the only interesting, I think, thing he said was when he was talking about, like, the second, like, losing Baker and then Beal and then McKinney. And then he's like, he mentioned McKinney. He's like, well, we got Logan Ryan and fixed that. And then he said something about um, him playing 75 to 80% of the snaps which would take his contract and cut one mil off if that's where he ended. But the fact that he mentioned Logan Ryan playing safety, well, Rosenblatt, when, in the late interview later, to spoil it a little bit, said that he thinks he's going to be play safety. I would be shocked. And I would, be, I would not agree with it at all if we have Logan Ryan playing safety when we have Julian Love, who we like a lot, if we have Jabril Peppers, who we like, unless they go three safety 75, 80% of the time. Then it's okay. But then again, we don't want to be doing three safeties against the 49ers, against the right. Bears. Like those teams Cowboys. are going to try and Yeah. Like we don't want to be three safety against those teams. So I I just don't see it. Like why would you like the whole him wanting to play safety? I really think that was a ploy to get him signed towards the end like cuz like you said in the last episode, time was dwindling and he was doing whatever he could to get signed. Yeah, and I thought it was very deliberate that the Giants when they take this as you may, but we're trying to pick up little signs here because nobody's actually, you can't actually tweet anything out. You can't put any videos out. And Joe judge is so secretive about this anyway, but I thought it was pretty deliberate that the Giants said we have signed defensive back. Um, Logan Ryan. I thought that was pretty, pretty deliberate. Now, Bobby said Julian love is still labeled as a corner on the roster. So, so, yeah, I mean, I guess defensive back, cornerback, safety—they're all—they're all in the DB room anyway. So um, I don't know. I, I thought I, I tried to find something there, and I guess I—and I guess I kind of slipped and fell on that. I was just hoping he'd be in the scrimmage so we could just be like, where do you line up? So we just had to settle with you know some good fun. But anyways, I think he might uh, split between slot and safety if he's playing seventy-five to eighty percent of the snaps. Because even just looking at like Michael Thomas was our number three safety last year, right? I have a very hard time visualizing in my brain how somebody is going to get 75 to 80% of the defensive snaps but also be a number three safety. I, I That just doesn't comprehend me because I really do think that this Giants coaching staff is smart enough against the um, Chicago Bears, against the 49ers, against the Cowboys, you know, really against any team when you're talking about 
on a first and 10 or a second and short or a third and short, unless it's a, a second and long or a third and long, I don't think we should be running three safety sets if, unless it's a passing down. It's a clear passing situation. I, I would love three safety sets then, but other than that, you know, have your linebackers out on the field and let's, you know, defend the run, do whatever you have to do. So, yeah, I think he... I don't agree. I don't agree with that. Where he's splitting time between uh, slot corner or safety, I definitely don't agree. If he's our number three safety, um, I would rather him out there on the boundary because I think that Corey Ballantyne, that's the spot, that's the red flag of this defense right now. But they're gonna do whatever they feel is best, and there well, you go. That's a that's you, a bad take. <laughs> you want a cornerback too? I want him at nickel, and Zach Rosenblatt says he's playing at safety, so. But maybe he could do both. I've even seen people suggest that he can do both, where he's going to be playing safety, but also slot corner, and he's going to be playing both roles, which, I mean, hey, that's a pretty tough ask when the dude just signed, and we have a football game in some 10 days. So that's a pretty Doesn't tough ask. It doesn't feel good to just to say that, though, we have a football game it does. in 10 days. We have an yes. NFL game in less than a week. All right, and then John Mara spoke. Really nothing. The only thing was like, you know, we're in this for the long run. This is, you know, we have long-term goals. We want to feel good at the end of the season. But, I mean, I mean there was really nothing of substance of what John Mara said. Yeah, he talked a little bit about um, the competitive advantage of there's going to be other teams that are going to have fans in the stands, and there's probably not going to be fans in the stands this year at MetLife Stadium. You know, we're, we're preparing for that, which I agree with him. I really don't know if there's going to be an alternative by – not an not an alternative. I don't see there being a pathway. Um, I know I wouldn't go. So there's that part. Talked a lot about the social justice issues, which I thought that was pretty. I was pretty impressed with him with that. I even liked how he emphasized taking action. It was just cool. It was cool to see how proactive the Giants are being and how he's letting really the players uh, be the directors of that. But also emphasizing action over just words. That meeting with like mayors, police chiefs, stuff like that. That's awesome. Um, and Straight then what action. Else? Meet with the thugs of the street like me. Yeah. So wins losses. Um, like, you know, we what what John Mara wants by the time January comes is to feel like the team is heading in the right direction, which during that answer, a lot of the beat reporters, that was the quote that they put from John Mara today. If you're on Twitter and if you're connected to some of the guys on the beat, that was the main quote. But also during that answer, he said well, it's pretty much the same answer every year. We want to feel like we're heading in the right direction when it comes to January if you're not in the dance, <laughs> if you're not in the dance and if you're not in the playoffs. So it's pretty much the same answer every year. So don't I wouldn't, I wouldn't take that with anything unique. Giants sign long snapper Carson Tucker. Huge deal. Cut Rice and John, our favorite Canadian uh, tight end slash wide receiver. I mean, that's not even a joke. He literally is my favorite one um, person who falls in that category. Uh Quick He's note on it. One. Um, you don't know that. You don't know what I who I scouted before the draft. Uh, I do think they will probably bring in like a, they're going to have a practice called kicker, long snapper, and punter. I believe because you know the protocols. It's going to take three, four days to clear. Your kicker gets hurt on a Friday or something, and like you don't have a kicker that's going to clear in time for Sunday. So I do think they'll throw those guys on the sixteen man practice squad this year. Six. So, I was about to say they they definitely did expand the practice squad from ten to yep. yeah. Okay. I mean, now we're not going to do our whole like who are you going to see making the roster. I mean, do you have any before we kick it to the interview? Do you have any like roster takes besides how like I know we joke, but I'm going to be so sad when Tanner gets cut. I really am. Like he's been a part of our lives. He was the bridge between Eli Manning and Daniel Jones. 
And I think I might just go ahead and buy his jersey for $150. I don't know. Franchise leader it, in completion percentage. Yeah, good for him. Uh, I wonder if there's anybody else that has 100%. We should look that up on Pro Football Reference. But I don't know if there's going to nope, be really any support. alone. I don't want anybody else stealing that. that, that okay, sh- that we'll, we'll, just, we'll just go with that. We won't even check on that. I don't know if there's really going to be any surprise cuts because I'm trying to I, – I tried to – throw out David Mayo a couple days ago but then you auto, you know we automatically shut that down because the contract's fully guaranteed um and it wouldn't be worth it to really cut him so I'm not really thinking on the top of my brain you think there's a chance like Toy Lolo's caught I don't know he, no. did he have a bad scrimmage and he allowed some guys to run past him so they believe in Eric Tomlinson more probably not so I'm trying to think if there's going to be any surprise cuts but there's going to be movement I guess that's my take I think that there is going to be movement and it's going to be a lot of moving parts and it's going to confuse us and we're going to need to really digest it you know whenever things become official um there's probably going to be movement throughout the entire weekend as as guys are clearing waivers doing this doing that so that's my main take is hit that waiver wire heavy hit that waiver wire heavy grant haley cut or not cut grant haley uh, cut he's gonna get cut me too alex bachman cut or not cut Cut. Keep Sills. I'm going not cut, but also keeping Sills. Let me see. Let me think of one. I could change my mind. Austin Johnson. Cut or not cut? Who? Austin Johnson, the defensive tackle we got from the Titans. Oh. Gosh. It's either him or RJ McIntosh. This is the. I'll go RJ McIntosh. Cut or not cut? I would would like to keep RJ McIntosh. All right. Me too. I actually would be bought. You know, as much as like, you know, we don't want to get too upset about the last guys in the roster, I would be upset if we lost RJ McIntosh. TJ Brunson, cut or not cut? Cut. All right. Cam Brown, cut or not cut? Carter Coughlin and Cam Brown would be the fifth and sixth outside linebackers. So cut or not cut? I think think they believe in Cam Brown, and I think they're going to try to keep him. I'm going to say not cut, not because of how good he's been, but because they don't want to lose him to waivers. Carter Coughlin, cut or not cut? Got I think you got to keep same for the exact same reason. Um, not that those guys are needed, but they. I'm, I'm assuming both of them could play special teams. All right, so that was a fun edition of cut or not cut. We'll talk about the 53 man roster to start the week next week. Two episodes next week. How about that? Get used to it, people, and then don't get used to it because then we'll be switching back to three the following week. We're take we're taking a break next week. No, <laughs> no. we're not. We're just going to our normal like PPPs or camp ends. PPP's in. All on the same day. I love it. It's called timing, people. Learn how to plan in your life. This may be the last episode where Alex Tanny's a giant. Oh. Really upset. You want to know where you should go bet on Alex Tanny not being a giant? I don't think you can bet on this, by the way. No, you know you should bet. Bet on the Nets, by the way. Steve Nash. Suck it. Suck it. Oh, you said you wanted to talk. You said you wanted to talk about the Nets. I love it. I love that hiring. I was a D'Antoni guy, and I know people go, what about the defense? The defense. It's like nobody plays defense in the NBA. Like, you don't need your coach to play defense. Defense is about how good you are at one-on-one defense. You can hire other assistant coaches to coach defense, which is funny that Knicks fans would throw that out. They hired Tom Thibodeau, who doesn't know how to coach offense and runs his players on the ground. Please spare me about a coach who coaches one side of the ball. Offense is more important than defense in the NBA. But anyways... Steve Nash, I feel like that's best case scenario. You get a guy who has an unbelievable basketball mind. You get a guy who gets how to get along with teammates. Obviously, KD and Kyrie approve that. I 
love it. I mean, he's an unbelievable basketball mind. Listen to interviews of him in the past couple of years. I've listened to him with Bill Simmons. The guy understands basketball. And he looks back at that seven or seconds or less Suns offense. And he says, I should have shot more. So he understands how the game has changed. He's studied the game. He's not someone who's just stuck in, in my day. We did, we innovated this offense and blah, blah, blah. And they found more. Um, so, and if you spare me the, oh, well, he's, he doesn't have experience. Um, Steve Kerr didn't have any experience. They won three championships. The last three NBA champions have been the Warriors, the Cavs, and the Raptors. All three of them won their first title with a rookie head coach. Steve Nash, I feel like, is a perfect net. I, the perfect fit for the Brooklyn Nets slash New Jersey Nets. Never forget. So I, I'm in love with the Steve Nash signing uh, as head coach. I didn't realize he was available. But if I knew he was available, he would have been number one on my list. All right, Justin, with football right around the corner, there is no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving all users a no-brainer to start this season. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Have you ever heard of a football team losing by 100 points? Well, for week one, DraftKings is ensuring that even if Kansas City were to lose in a historic fashion, you would still cash your bet. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has moved the spread to Kansas City plus 101 points for all users. So even if Kansas City loses by 100 points, you will still win big with DraftKings Sportsbook. That's a no-brainer. Hey, uh, I'm reading this off the top. This is this is that's a nuts bet. Uh, on top of that amazing offer, DraftKings is giving away up to. $100 million in prizes to all users who enter their free football survivor pool. Get in on it. All you have to do is sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook, enter the survivor pool, and you'll instantly get a share of up to $100 million in giveaways. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code JOHNBOY to take advantage of this no-brainer of an offer. That's promo code JOHNBOY, not John Boy like a John Boat, John M as in monkey, to get in on all the action for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Other terms and conditions and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You, I I was reading the ad and looking at your hand signal in the background and I thought you were like signaling me like, please stop, you're screwing it up. Um, but you know who didn't screw it up? Zach Rosenblatt. Um, some good tidbits. Uh, anything, anything before we kick it to Zach, Justin? Zach Rosenblatt, uh, officially, I think we can call him friend of the program. Oh, yeah, um, he's a friend of the program. So enjoy the interview. Give some really good tidbits. Um, great job getting through camp, everybody. We did it. We did it. We did it. All right, Zach Rosenblatt. No holds bad. He he took me in the low post and won, but I think we had on the varsity. All right, we now welcome on to the program. Last interview of training cramp. Last but not least, of NJ.com. Second time on the show, Zach Rosenblatt. What's going on, Zach? What's up, guys? Great to see you. Good. Uh, glad to get you back on. Uh, we're closing out camp. You're at the scrimmage. So there, there's a lot of stuff to get to. I want to start out with this. You're do, you're, you, know, you and Justin are talking about Mark Colombo, and you're using him for your sto- stadium stories. You do one on, like, his best friend snacks. I mean – I feel like I'm good friends with Justin, but I feel like you two are just like forming this relationship. <laughs> I know. It's just like out. it's six degrees of Justin with all the stories I've been writing lately. I know. <laughs> the snacks one was awesome. And then uh, we've been having fun. You did have a typo. The second time in the oh, first boy. one, you named him Penkin. 
So we've been. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> My bad. Should have told me. No, it's uh. The, the it's first become... one was good. The second one, the second time you named it was Pankin. So we've been doing Pankin <laughs> for a while. It's become a shoujo pen, uh, penkin. Um, well, I'm so, glad I uh, contributed to the, to the lore of this show. Yeah, <laughs> love it. But Zach, um, I guess we'll first off, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, and also, thank you for being a man of the people for uh, writing, uh, not, well, not writing, you know, writing stories on fans. I think that's really cool and that's really, uh, it's really neat. But also, uh, the Mark Columbo. I feel like that was a talk of amongst those on the beat and it was a talk amongst the, those Zoom calls for almost a week with a few different players. So thank you for doing that. Um, that kind of, you kind of took it and ran with it, but how are you doing? Uh, I think we already, did you already ask how you're doing, Bobby? I don't even know, but uh, how are you doing? <laughs> how's, how's camp going? Um, and you just wrapped up the scrimmage. So maybe even tell us about the scrimmage today a little bit, some overall impressions. I mean, as well, as well as anybody can do <laughs> right now, it's still, everything is still crazy. I don't even know what, I still don't even like entirely know what the coverage is going to look like during the season, like in terms of when we'll be there. Uh, will we be on the? Will I be going to the road games? Will anyone be going to the road games? And what game day coverage will look like? But you know, it, it's we're just trying to make do with what we have, and you, you got to get creative writing stories. Which I like doing stories about fans when I can, like you talked about, because especially when it's like a unique. Like I, I, I mainly wanted to talk to Snacks because of his tattoo, and then he started telling me about uh, how he had cancer and all that. So yeah, that, you uh, find out he's just nuts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so like, I, I like. I like doing stories off the beaten path and like Mark Colombo and working on something about him. I haven't been able to get to that yet, but um, like just stuff like that is what you kind of have to get creative uh, in a time like this and find like interest stories outside of the locker room and outside of the building and all that stuff since we're not talking to these guys one-on-one, but so that, so that part of it's like, it's been a challenge, but it's been, you know, it's, you know, making me work harder, I guess. Um, and the, yeah, the scrimmage today was, it wasn't, I wasn't at last week's scrimmage, but my impression was this one was a lot less intense than that one. And this one was a little light. like, there was still some stuff to take away, but I, there's not as much like overarching, like no, nobody had a Wayne Gallman type day where everybody was talking about him after the game kind of thing. But, you know, Evan Ingram looks really good. Uh, Darnay Holmes, I think it's just continued to impress me. Um, Alex Bachman, he had a drop, but other than that, he's, he's been like one of those like training camp guys. Who I'm not sure he's going to make the team, but, uh, he's definitely like got himself a job on the practice squad, I think. And, you know, th- those are, and that's one of the main things I miss from training camp is guys like that getting to tell their stories and watching them in training camp and seeing them become superstars in the fan base's eyes and, and like them getting too hyped about a guy who probably is never going to actually play for them kind of thing. Yeah. Alonzo Russell last year after he caught a game winner to make us undefeated. Um, so someone, I was hoping we'd get to see some action, before we got you on, but we haven't yet. Logan Ryan, the Giants obviously signed him. Um, Gattleman made a comment that, you know, it was like, well, we fixed it with, we fixed the McKinney injury with Logan Ryan. I've been a strong believer of like, hey, he's a slot corner. He's been extremely impactful from that position. So they might like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't force him, put him in a different position to force Holmes on the field. But you, like you, it seems like Holmes has had a really impressive camp. Um, so you, this isn't going off of what you've seen because we haven't seen him out there, but what is like your impression of what they want to do with, with Logan Ryan? My, my impression and, you know, Joe judge will never get a straight answer about what position almost anybody is playing. But I think, I think he's coming here with the idea that he's going to be a safety. I don't know if that necessarily means like he's going to be only a safety. I think they're going to, tr- I think they're going to try and use him in the way that they wanted to use Xavier McKinney. Uh, maybe he plays a little more corner corner than McKinney would have, you know, moving him around, putting him in the box, putting him at safety, putting him on inside, outside. But I think he wanted to be a safety, whoever signed him. 
uh, just in talking to people close to him and, and all of that. And um, I think the Giants' intention is to start him at safety. I don't know if that's where he finishes the year or whatever, because I think outside corner is still a serious, serious question mark right now. Um, I'm sure you guys have talked about that quite a bit. Uh, even Darnay Holmes, like I'm high in him, but, you know, you're relying on a rookie at nickel. Uh, who's a fourth round pick for a reason. Like he wasn't a f- one of the first three rounds for a reason. So I think there's a lot of question marks still in the secondary. Logan Ryan certainly helps. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would say if, if they were starting, if the game was tomorrow, I would, I would expect him to play safety. Yeah, that's the, that's the tough thing, right? Because the Giants actually came out and I thought they kind of did this intentionally. They said, we came out, uh, we signed defensive back yeah. Logan Ryan. So I'm thinking, ooh, like, and that, that causes my brain to go racing around because you have the combination of his agent says that he wants to play safety, but then the Giants go out and they sign defensive back Logan Ryan. And also I've been of the belief that, gosh, I, I would much rather rely on a rookie Darnay Holmes at slot based off of how, maybe how he's looked at camp and maybe you can cover up that spot a little bit rather than Corey Ballantyne on the outside, who I even think you've had some tweets that he's been struggling a little bit, which, you know, you take all those things with a grain of salt. So um, personally, that's my biggest worry. Outside boundary corner and having a weak link in that secondary that brings the entire unit down. So what can you tell us in regards to Ballantyne and the cornerback room as a whole, especially those guys that are fighting for that outside boundary spot? Because I think that's the most glaring concern on this team and you also just said that too yeah yeah I think it's absolutely the number I've been saying that for weeks um it it pretty obviously is the most the biggest concern I mean Corey Ballantyne I I think he can be a a fine player I think maybe there's like too much expectations put on a guy who was a six round pick last year but you know the fact that he he played nickel almost all of last year and now he's gonna be and he didn't even play it that well by the way and now he's gonna be asked to play boundary corner which he didn't play almost at all last year so um he's probably the favorite to start right now there, I would guess. Um, I know they just traded for that guy on the Broncos. I don't even remember his name. To be Isaac Yeadim or Isaac yeah. Yeah something. I can't remember. Yeah, Isaac exactly. Yeadim or whatever it is. Um, I, my impression is they're going to keep scouring the waiver wire and trying to like find, you know, something at the bottom of the, of the trash can or whatever. Um, but th- I mean, it's a, it's a fair concern to have. Um, they've been telling people, you know, for, for we- before they signed Logan Ryan, before McKinney got hurt that they really wanted to let, all these young guys kind of get a chance to prove that you know, to develop and, and prove that they belong in the starting lineup. Uh, then McKinney went down. So, you know, I, they, that's why they brought in Logan Ryan, but yeah, I mean, I, I just, I don't know exactly what's going to happen there. Maybe they're trying to see if there's somebody they like uh, that gets cut on Saturday and then they can come in. Maybe he's a veteran guy or something, but I, I, I don't know. You know, maybe Ross, I think Ross Scott Carell was going to maybe fill that role when that, and then that fell through. Uh, so clearly they were looking, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's strange to me that they haven't gone sought out somebody more proven. Maybe they really just like Corey Ballantyne more than I, I thought. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of at a point where it's like they're besides Ross Cockrell, there's really no one out there. I mean, yeah. like you said, you mentioned Prince, but there's rumors that that's, that's out. Um, it's it's going to be just crazy because, you know, like you said, there's just, it's so thin there. And then Julian Love. So that's what I'll ask Julian Love. We heard, you know, before the Logan Ryan uh, signing, that he was only practicing at safety. And I, I thought he was going to go play corner going into camp, but he's only been practicing at safety. So now that Logan Ryan's been at safety the last couple practices, have they let him play a little corner or are they still just strictly at safety? Well, so yesterday and today were the days out because me and Matt Lombardo have to switch off just because of the COVID rules. So right. just from what I saw, he was still at safety. Um and they've been really high on him in camp and they really like how he's played. I know that for sure. 
but and I, I thought maybe he would compete with Darnay for the nickel spot. I haven't really seen them competing necessarily at that spot. But I, I, I still – I think they're probably going to have Love more as like the third safety role, and then maybe they play three safeties more than a lot of teams because of their, their holes at cornerback. But I, I, I don't see him being the boundary corner. I, I'd be surprised if that wound up being what it was. Right. Yeah, going into camp, I thought he played nickel, and then we heard – like just like a few days ago, we heard he's only practicing a safety. And then Logan Ryan comes in, and, and then the, the questions keep going. Um, to move around, away from the DBs, the offensive line, um, a couple things. They signed Jalapio. Uh, I don't know how you guys can comment on stuff now that camp is officially over, but one, is Jalapio like practicing with the second team, if I can ask that? And two, do you think there's a good chance that Jalapio is the guy and then they move on from Pulley since Pulley has the, big con- the bigger contract? Um. I don't believe he was really practicing that much yesterday. I think today he was running with the backups. Um, I Yeah, my, my initial, my immediate reaction when they signed him was that Spencer Poley is probably on the way out. Uh, I just don't really think he really adds much value. I, I don't know how high they were on him anyway. And you bring in Jalapio, and they really like him, just as even just as a presence on the team. They like his versatility, and I don't think Poley really has the same versatility which it seems like they're looking for in all their linemen. Nick Gates can play anywhere on the lines. Uh, Shane Lemieux can play center and guard. Um, so I, I, I think, especially when you add the financial savings that come with cutting uh, Spencer Pulley, I think they saved $2.75 million. Um, so my, I, I did my 53-man roster after the scrimmage. I, I did not have Pulley making it. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited for Nick Gates' first snap at center. I've been a big, like, Nick Gates for center guy. Um, to, to tweet out that he's now taking a snap at center guard tackle and tight end. Um, like I said, the guy's, the guy's versatile. I, I love him there at center. And I, I think everyone had the same thought as you with the Jalapio pulley thing. Yeah. And I, I should say, so I asked, cause Nick Gates has had a couple practices where he's had some bad snaps. That doesn't necessarily mean he's been playing poorly. Cause you know, you're not going to, the fact is he's playing center for the first time and it was only one snap per practice or whatever. But I, I asked Joe judge if that was, the reason why they signed uh, Jalapia was because of how the center's been playing. He insisted that wasn't the case. So I think they still are happy with, with Nick at center right now. But, I mean, right. you know, I, I like him as well. But, you, I mean, the fact is he hasn't played uh, that position in an NFL game yet. So that, that, that's at least a question mark whether he can, li- he can play to the level they need him to once the season starts. To kind of take a break from talking about, like, individual players. How does this guy look? Where is this guy fitting? Where is this guy fitting? You're previously with the Eagles, and the Eagles have been a pretty successful team the last few years, and you've been covering them for camp. You know, they're basically still coming off those Super Bowl victories, and and the large group and the core of that team is still there. So you've gotten that feel, and you've gotten that atmosphere of what a winning team is like over there. Now, I want to talk to you about your overall vibes and your overall, the, the vibe that you're getting around the energy of the team. Now, I know you've been there kind of covering it at somewhat of a limited basis this year, and it's very difficult to maybe answer this question. But, you know, especially uh, guys and fans that are just watching from home, what is something that you can say about the energy around the team and hopefully turn, and it could turn into a winning team? One thing that stands out, um, I mean, it's pretty obvious that Joe Judge has really made an impact on these guys in terms of getting them to be on, stay on message. And I, it just seemed like really workmanlike is how I would describe training camp. Everybody knows where they're supposed to go, that everything moves really fast in practice. Um, everybody is, you know, saying the right things in the interviews. Nobody's straying from the message. You know, you, there are people that might want to criticize that and maybe there's validity to that. But I think even just like being workmanlike, it's like almost an underrated thing because I mean, you guys 
have been following the Giants for a long time, and they've definitely been dysfunctional in recent years. Um, and I didn't cover a Pat Shermer practice. I can't imagine it was the, as well-structured as Joe's are. Um, so, you know, I, I, th- I think that's the biggest thing. Like, they, they, they know what their goals are, and they know what there is expected of them. And that, it's a very basic thing, but, you know, maybe that was something that was missing the last couple of years. So I think, you know, the, I don't think these players are going to be confused about what the offense looks like, what the defense looks like, where they have to be. And for a young team, I think that that's a good starting point at the very least. Yeah, so with that, obviously, you know, there's excite- There's always excitement with newness, and Joe Judge is new, and, you know, he's been kind of polarizing even in the national media. Everyone's kind of got an opinion whether they, they love it or hate it. With that, the Giants have a tough schedule. Um, I think expectations are low and high at the same time because you do have, you know, Jones in second year. You have, you have a lot of guys on offense that, you know what, like the offense score points, but the defense has struggles. With Gettleman in year three, and, you know, Mara flat out said when, at the end of the season is that he needs to raise his batting average. Um, you've talked with both of them. Do you think he's on the hot seat? I, I tend to think yes, as much as they might say, like long-term stuff now. I mean, what's the, what's the vibe you get from, from that? I think yes is the absolutely right answer. But the complicated part of it is just the nature of this season. Like, it's it's gonna it's not gonna be I don't think it's necessarily gonna come down to what his record is I think it's gonna come down to what the Giants look like like if they're competitive or you know if they're playing well at the end of the season or something like that because you know this COVID situation and John Mayer talked about that today like it, it they were robbed of an off season they have a new coach a quarterback in his second year a new center a new left tackle uh, you know their leaders on defense are like. Blake Martinez is this team's leader and he's new and he's been banged up. So like, there's just so much like working against them to the point where like the expectations are going to be low, even if they were a talented team, like they're, there's just so much stacked against them right now. So if they can even just get to a point where they're even just improving in some way from last year, right, that might be all that, that John Mayer is looking for with Dave Gettleman and maybe that he doesn't go and trade a couple of draft picks for a guy who's becoming a free agent next off season. Like if he, as long as he doesn't, you know, I, th- I think he, he had a relatively like, you know, by the numbers off season, if you think about it, like he didn't do anything outlandish. Uh, I think they filled a lot of their needs. They didn't fill all of them. Uh, they're trying to stick with some young guys. They didn't, you know, reach for guys. They waited for Logan Ryan, which worked out. I know they were interested in him early on. He was asking for too much money. They waited it out. Uh, and then by the time they needed him, he was cheaper. So I, I think Dave had a really good off season, especially relative to the last two. And I think that's probably building up some positive vibes in the building. I think Joe Judge had a lot of, to do with that I think he had a lot of influence um but yeah it's gonna be interesting I don't know if there's like a win total if they go four and 12 again I'd say he's gone if they go five and 11 you know maybe you can talk yourself into him coming back it's it's a little more 50 50 at that point if they get six wins I think he's safe is what I would say I don't don't think it's going to come down to win last record but like I think you can break it down that way yeah I I just go I remember going into last year with Shermer it's like you know rookie QB rebuilding and it's like as long as you can make Jones look good and stuff but at the end of the day, with with Shermer, I think it nine straight losses is nine straight losses. Yeah, I think that's that's the thing. It's like how it's like how they get to that record. Yeah, like it, are they are they you know five and eleven and they lost the last six in a row, or are they five and eleven and they you know won you know three out of five to end the season? Like I, I think right. that the, the the context is going to be important this year. Yeah, Zach. One of the questions that um, you were asking me, or I think you were trying to get me to a point when this is when you were we were when you, we were talking about the regular season ticket article oh, yeah. writing and, and not being able to go. Um, and you were talking about, you know, what do you want to see out of the football team? 
and I think you you were trying you were trying to get me to drop some like I want this team to win or it's unacceptable. I won't give them my money. I think you wanted that a little bit, but I didn't give it to you. No, it's <laughs> but uh, but overall, my whole thing, and especially I I really think of this as a regular season ticket holder. Give me a reason to watch in yeah. November and December, and. Yeah. I'm trying in my brain to think of scenarios where I would want to watch this team in November and December if we are technically maybe mathematically eliminated. And it's tough because so much of sports is predicated on winning, right? But, um, you know, really, that, that's where I'm at. You know, give, give me a reason to want to put on a Giants game at 1 o'clock or pack my car up at 8 o'clock in the morning and head out to, you know, Route 3 on the Garden State Parkway and stuff like that, you know, and be, and be at the stadium, try to be at the stadium by 10 o'clock. Give me a reason to want to do that. And that's yeah. really where I'm at. You know, I think the ideal – I think the Eagles, like, rebuild is – I mean, it went, like, way faster than they had planned, I think, because um, they won the Super Bowl in year two of it, obviously. But I don't think that was, like, the, the schedule. But, like, so that first year, I think – a positive season would be what the Eagles first year with Doug Peterson was when they went seven and nine, I believe, you know, they were competitive. Carson Wentz had a lot of potential. Everybody got really excited. I know it was his rookie year, but um, I think, I think you can look at that as like the goal, you know, uh, Daniel Jones, I think we're going to really find out, you know, if he, if he doesn't improve on the things he wasn't good at last year, then it's, there's reason to be worried about the future. But I'm, I like Daniel Jones quite a bit and his potential. He's at an inconsistent camp, but you know, it's again, it's just like practice against got your teammates and I try not to put too much stock in that stuff. So, cause you know, even just going back to the Eagles, Nick Foles was always a very bad practice player. Um, even dating back to college. So I just think, true. you know, if they can, if they can just be in that year one of the rebuild where, like you said, you know, by the end of the year, you're happy to watch them as opposed to depressed. I think that's the first step. And the next step is you start competing for the playoffs and then the next step after that is you start becoming a contender. And I, they, they need it. It's like, they're not going to be a contender this year. I think everybody understands that, but you, you want to, if you do the right things now, maybe in year three, you can be a contender. So um, Justin uh, mentioned sports being predicated on winning. Who are you trading Embiid or Simmons? Cause I mean, you guys got to blow it up, right? <laughs> not for trading either of them. People are crazy. <laughs> I know. Well, who's your coach? Cause I mean, I'm a Nets fan. Well, it sounds we got like Steve gonna, Nash today. Like and they might I hire Tyron Lou. Sounds like they might hire Tyron Lou, which I'm not. Are you scared it's going to be Mark Jackson or are the Sixers going to stay away from him? I think they're going to stay away from Mark Jackson. Um, <laughs> Steve Nash, honestly, I think he's going to be a great coach. I would have been happy if the Sixers hired him, but I could, I didn't know he was available, yeah. but I, I love that. You know, I, I went, I went into a whole Nets mode today. I'll, I'll probably hit on it in the beginning of this show, just because I, I need an outlet to just, give out <laughs> some, I need to give out some Nets takes, but it just, it felt good. Because I wanted Mike Dan, because I think D'Antoni's going to get fired. I wanted D'Antoni once he got fired. And I'm like, perfect. The guy that he was under, or the guy was under him, Steve Nash. Anyways, we're doing too much Nets talk. Um, I, I, just had, I had to get a jab in there on the Sixers. I can't. <laughs> I I think Embiid's the guy, but I can't stand. Oh, well, the Sixers are the Sixers are an absolute mess, and there's there's like nowhere to go for them. So it's really and Embiid's right? tweeting that he's unhappy. I mean, yeah, I get he's making fun of the commercial. The Sixers still. are the most like dysfunctional organization. Like. And they're like the most uniquely dysfunctional organization. If you just look at all the weird things that have happened to them, and it's it's like almost hard to be. I was just like so depressed by the time the, the playoffs started, and I was just like, I don't even care about watching this, like because they're not <laughs> going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the East plays out uh, next year. So back to the Giants, though. I had to get some <laughs> NBA talk in. Um, linebacker, that is obviously Blake Martinez is one. 
But after that, I mean, we've heard so many different things, whether it's Devontae Downs who showed up out of nowhere, Connolly, who, you know, a lot of people like, but then we're like hearing he's a little lower on the depth chart. Tay Crowder, who I love Tay Crowder, but I didn't expect him to kind of make the move that he's making this early. Um, Mayo, obviously, with the meniscus trim is going to be out to at least start the season. I mean, how is that linebacker crew shaken out after Blake Martinez? Yeah, I think linebacker is like the the weirdest group on the roster. Like, like you you just went through, and I mean, they also have T.J. Brunson, who they also drafted in the seventh round. And um, my, I I still think it'll ultimately be Ryan Connolly starting next uh, Blake. I think he's looked pretty decent. I mean, he's been banged up for most of training camp again, which is disappointing. Um, but I think he's looked pretty good the last couple of days. Um, if he doesn't start week one, I would guess Devontae Downs would. Um, Downs is a much better player than I really – I didn't really know much about him before I came out of the Giants. And he's looked pretty good and he's pretty consistent. And I think the coaches really like him like he made himself a roster lock. Um, Take Crowder's missed the last couple of practice. I'm curious what happens uh, with roster cutdowns. Because um, they have a lot of like – I mean, if you, even all the linebackers they drafted, I would say none of them are necessarily locks. Like Cam Brown, I haven't seen do anything all training camp. I haven't even heard anything right. about him. Nobody's talked about him. Um, TJ Brunson had, a, he had like a good, uh, pass breakup today and he had a big hit at the beginning of the camp, but in between that, he didn't really do anything. Take Crowder is interesting. He's really athletic, former running back. Uh, I think they like him. If he's banged up, I guess they could, they could, you know, stash him on the IR for a few weeks if they really wanted to save a roster spot because of the three week rule this year. But yeah, that's, okay. it's like such a interesting collection of guys and I'm not sure any of them has like staked claim to that spot next to Blake and, and Blake, I mean, as you see, he, he missed a lot of practice over the last couple of weeks. Um, and I don't think anybody really stepped up as like the alpha male in that group at, at to, to quote uh, Nick Gates on offense, I guess. Um, yeah. but <laughs> there's been no Nick Gates in the middle linebacker room, I would say. But um, I think that, I mean, it's fair to even put that as a question mark on this roster because even Blake has question marks about his ability to play uh, against the pass. So um, I think that that is a concern, not as big as boundary corner, but I think it's something to keep an eye on for sure. Right. Quick, does Connolly look fast? Because obviously without a preseason, we haven't really seen anything. Does Connolly look fast out there? He's, he's looks like he's getting some of his speed back at least. I'm not sure. Okay. If he, I couldn't tell you if he's 100%. Um, he's, the fact that he missed so much practice, he's still pretty much – I mean, they had no preseason and he hasn't really – uh, you know, he hasn't really been able to get acclimated in the same way that he needs to. So I'm, I'm curious to see how this season kind of plays out. And with him, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw him come on after a few games have already passed kind of thing. Right. With McKinney, because they'll probably put him on the IR, does he count um, against the like the initial 53? Or like how does that work with him putting him on IR? I believe they can IR. put him on IR beforehand. I only say that because I know the Eagles put Andre Dillard on it uh, – today although I'm not sure if that makes it so he has to miss the, the iron rules are like so much different this year it's like I'm still trying to grasp it um they they might have to put him on after the initial 53-man roster I'm gonna have to double check that I'll get back to you guys but it, it's possible they might have to do the initial roster and then put him on but I know if they it, do different stuff with rookies I, it's, I've yeah, had a hard time trying to yeah, figure it out I'm not exactly I mean it, the, the rules have changed so much this year just because of the COVID and they're trying to but I mean I'm, I'm not entirely confident McKinney's gonna play this year anyway um, it's a possibility, obviously, in a couple months, I guess. But um, there, I don't know if there's a, a point in risking, especially if by the time he can come back, they're out of it already or something. So that's going to be something that's going to be a storyline later in the season, I would say. Yeah, especially since it's a foot injury and you're not going to be able to do any kind of conditioning while yeah, you're hurt. Yeah, that, that, that which so, will extend his comeback even longer, yeah. 
Yeah. So that, that's, that's the bad part. It may not even be worth it. And you know, it's maybe it's different if he's, if he's a second year player and he has a grasp on the speed of the league and something like that, but to throw him out there when he hasn't conditioned in a few months, I can definitely see them not playing him for the whole year, but also, you know, talking about all these injuries, you know, Conley uh, being a little inconsistent, not being there because of injuries, Martinez, you talked about peppers before. And now we see golden Tate go down with the hamstring and hamstrings and wide receivers and, and for summer injuries, uh, it makes me nauseous. <laughs> it really makes me nauseous. Even for a guy like Peppers, too, who's had some cramps. He's, he's, been cra- he's cramped up almost every day. It's been crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting – and, you know, this is one of those things where I don't know who to – I'm not blaming anybody, and I'm not, I'm not mad at the Giants that Jabril Peppers is cramping and Golden Tate has a lower body injury. But it's one of those things where I am – as a, I'm a fan. I'm taking it back by it, and I'm saying, yikes. Yeah, I, I think it's a problem around the league. Um like something people had told me before training camp started is that it's, this is going to be the most out of shape like players have ever been like even more than the lockout really. Cause, cause with the lockout gyms were open like during this gyms weren't open. So guys, you know, there are some guys who are lucky enough to have their own gyms or, you know, they have their own equipment or whatever, but then they're not a lot of them do. So they had to, you know, get creative and all that. So um, I think that's probably factored in, although Jabril Peppers, ironically enough, like I saw him training, I went to one of his workouts right before training camp and he looked, like he was in the best shape of his life and he talked like he was. So, I mean, I, it, I guess it's just different not having, you know, the mini camps and the OTAs and all that stuff. But I mean, I, you're right though. A lot of these key guys keep going down um, and it, it's fair to be scared about what's about to come, especially because the giants have like, you can be happy with like a lot of their starting players, I think, but they don't have a lot of depth around the roster in general, right. especially wide receiver, uh, which still blows my mind that it's never added anybody of note this offseason. Um, Corey Coleman has looked really good. But yeah, I was going to say, man, we're never going to give up on Corey Coleman no yeah, matter yeah. what happens. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's really fast. And the funny thing is he keeps connecting with Colt McCoy from their time. And I keep, every, anytime I tweet that, like people, Browns fans are like, oh, I, I don't like seeing those two names together again or whatever. Like they start freaking out about it. But yeah, Corey Coleman's look good. David Sills has looked good. Um, but I don't know if you can be 100% confident if Golden Tate goes down that they can like fill that production. Right. I will say – I've seen, and this is just a personal bother as I follow training camp tweets. And even the Giants account does this too. They put out so many Colt McCoy videos. It's, <laughs> we, no, we no longer have a QB battle. I don't need to see, like, and I get it. Like, if you want to highlight, okay, Colt McCoy threw the ball and you want to highlight Corey Coleman. People want right? to see Alex Tanney is what you're saying. Yeah. No, I, no, but It's going to be a sad day for us when he gets cut. That's not even a joke. <laughs> It's really going to be a sad day. The Giants account, they'll headline their tweets and their videos because they don't release a, a ton. They release a yeah. decent amount, but you don't get to see everything. Colt McCoy with the dot. I don't need to see that, Giants. Thank you. <laughs> I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, did you watch the screen, like the TV version of the scrimmage afterwards uh, I, last week? I did not have a chance to watch the TV version, actually. I, I, saw, I saw some of the clips of like Joe Judge and stuff like that, though. Yeah. Don't do it. They they're taking secrecy to a whole new level where they saw, like the angles were so like you couldn't even see who was lined up, right? And they would switch it mid play. It was it was brutal, and we were just like fiending for anything. Like we're preseason addicts. <laughs> I did, I did enjoy it. I did enjoy your uh, your video where you were uh, reacting to tweets as if you were watching the game. That that made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got I got a couple of good ones in there. I may have spliced some uh, uh, Bob Papa. Um, audio to make him say something that wasn't uh totally appropriate but we're, we're we're just trying to have a little fun even the dallas cowboys 
they took the names and the numbers off their jerseys. So if yeah. anybody got uh, what, like, come on, like you're telling me that you don't have either a Mark Mike McCarthy tape to look back on. You don't have Kellen Moore's 2019 tape. And also for the giants, you don't have a over a decade of Jason Garrett tape to go back and watch and see what he's going to like, like, come on. Like, are we, are we being serious right now? <laughs> like, Oh, look, they're running a post route. Guard the post. Um, yeah. No, secrecy these days is insane. It, I, I covered college football before I uh, started covering the Eagles, and it, college coaches are even worse about it. Like, yeah, because they don't have to do the Harbaugh, injury report. Jim Harbaugh didn't release the team roster for like until the start of the season one year, which is insane. He wouldn't even tell, say who was on the team. Damn, we had Dan Duggan on as soon as camp started, and we had to ask, we had to like make up random questions to figure out where who was playing where because of the new the new media rules. We got to laugh at a giant insider like they clearly just didn't read it and just blew through it and just named every, they did everything that they told you guys not to do in that first week. Yeah, that it, that's a it's a the, so a lot of teams have taken to doing that but the Eagles who are a pretty secretive organization generally like they're they don't like a lot of stuff getting out there. They they let their reporters tweet everything. Plays, you know, you can't say what like people say there but you can do like who's lining up with the first team and second team. So like that not being able to number one tweet during practice because we have to wait till after. Um, and I've, I, my muscle memory is to like go and tweet something when I see it, you know, and then not to not be able to say like where a guy lined up or what unit he was on. Like that definitely has been like an adjustment. You want to know why the Eagles are probably letting them do that? Because Doug Peterson and Jim Schwartz are there. And you know what? You can just turn on the tape last year and see what they did. So yeah. it's like common sense doesn't really matter if we're really letting some things go out. Yeah, I get injury secrecy, I guess, um, yeah. to an extent. Maybe not during training camp, but during the season. But, yeah, the level of, like, don't say that, you know, Nick <laughs> Gates is running with the first team center because, I mean, the team the team you play against in week one is going to know that when they go out. Like, <laughs> yeah, and they post, like, their, their own videos and stuff. It's like, okay, now, yeah. like, I'm going to go and see yeah. it all. Um, I, don't, so. I don't entirely understand it, but, I mean, I'm not going to complain. We get to watch football. Yeah, a week a week a week from now we get to see real football and the exactly. done of this weird no preseason, not getting to go to camp stuff. So oh, right, I have ahead, a question. Justin, finish it off. I have a question. Raise your hand. That's so you can talk now. I I, I was I was on a I'm work I'm starting to work for a school. So oh, okay. um today or this was like our first week. So I I'm getting I'm getting accustomed. <laughs> um, crowd noise. They were so you were there today, and I, we were hearing uh, uh, not really mixed reviews. We were really really hearing bad reviews about yeah. about I the crowd was, noise. I was in I was in the press. Not sorry to cut you off. I was in the press box. Um, okay. So I, don't know if it, I don't know if it sounds better like in the stadium or not, but to me, like I this is I tweeted this. I wrote it in my story today. Like it, it just sounds like somebody's car radio is on very loud. Yeah. Like, it doesn't sound like fans are yelling. Although I did joke uh, at, at the end when Alex Tanny came in, I'm like, no, that, that's the real fan noise. People are getting really excited right now. <laughs> Lombardo's booing. Um, it, it, it got crazy, I bet. Um, yeah, our guys, John Boy and Jake, they went to Orioles spring training before COVID, and they were doing, like, the crowd noise. And it was just, like, unbelievably loud. It's like, no one's yeah. ever going to be this loud at an Orioles game this year. I don't know what. And I, I wonder, I mean, the sport. players haven't really given us straight answers what they think about it. They all say, you know, we don't hear it or whatever. I am curious, like, if that's jarring at all, especially when you know there are no fans there. Like, yeah. Yeah. like the NBA, well, NBA did a good job of making it sound like the fans are actually there. I was going to say, I like it the, I like it with the NBA on TV because, like, I people look to complain, but I, I feel like, obviously, you realize it's not, like, a regular game, yeah. but I don't, like, I'm not as conscious of it throughout the game. So, it's going to be very interesting to see what it looks like when you're watching NFL games on Sunday. 
Especially I, with NFL, you can't see the fans, yeah. you know, unless they do, uh, you know. I guess they can angle the camera so it doesn't look like the fans are there or something. Yeah, but. it basically would be like a like a XFL game, basically, is what I'm, I'm thinking. All right, Zach, we've taken way too much of your time. We appreciate you coming on. We'll, we'll make sure to tag you. Uh, everyone follow Zach. Um, last last interview of the season, Zach, so we'll, uh, we'll have to catch up with you uh, after the year. Yeah, man, thanks for uh, having me. Let me do the last training camp one. Good to see you, Zach. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. All right. Thanks again, Zach, for coming on. Make sure to go give him a follow. I really think he's going to do some good work um, this year. Justin, man, it's been a wild camp. We've done episodes every single weekday for the last six weeks. The numbers have been great. We literally broke our record the last two days in a row for downloads in a day. So that's been pretty exciting. Um, your guys' support has been serious, like the Patreon. My goal was 50 by time the start of camp. We're at 40. Um, so I'd love to get to 50, but nonetheless, the 40 have been in. I mean, they're in the chat right now. We're going to talk to them as soon as we're done with this. Uh, support's been fun. I think this season's going to be exciting. Uh, Justin, I mean, I, I, I don't think, I, even if we don't win, I think this season's going to be exciting for us and our listeners. Like, our listeners are like family. They get our jokes, and we appreciate them. Like, and I can't wait to grow this thing more and more. And I think this year is going to be huge for us. Thank you to all of you who listen, whether you follow on Facebook, whether you follow on YouTube, whether you follow on Twitter, Instagram, or if you're just a podcast person, uh, thank you. Um, you know, I think we have an incredible community and Bobby and I, we wouldn't be, you know, putting out episodes every single weekday for the past six weeks. And we wouldn't be contacting, you know, uh, whether it's former players, current players, people on the beat. Uh, we wouldn't be contacting all these people if it wasn't for all, you know, you guys that enjoy it um, and you all that enjoy it. And then you all that interact with us. And, uh, you know, we thank you just for genuinely supporting us, genuinely liking us because it we it goes right back to you. I, I like to I like to model a lot of what I do based off of like reciprocal relationships where, you know, obviously I'm providing something to you, but also uh, the support that all of you give back and the direct messages, the likes, the retweets, the replies, the five-star ratings, um, all of those things are mean just as much to us. So thank you. Real deal, real deal. And you know what? I think people outside are starting to notice what this community is about. And it's not because of our analysis or our takes, because our takes have been our analysis and our takes for the past year and a half. But I think people are noticing. I think people are recognizing more. People who once were like, screw those guys, are now jumping on the bandwagon so and that's because they see our audience and how they react to us i mean you look at us and the interaction we get with you guys and you go to accounts that have 50 60 000 followers and they don't have the people like you guys so we appreciate you guys um i hate to get sentimental on these podcasts i hate when people take themselves too seriously but it's been a fun camp and we appreciate you guys um and i'm about to read the chat uh for patreon because i know i know they're just eating this alive number one supporters but i know they're like they're like your close close friend so i'm gonna say it patreon chat you suck you suck that's how i treat my uh my good friends justin you suck um i suck danny king you suck we'll be back next week 53 man roster whatever other stuff hits enjoy the scrimmage have a good weekend let's go big blue